Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And it was not Education Week at the State House this week. That was last week. But it was still a week at the legislature and a busy one at that. Uh, we're going to start with the kind of a perennial debate at the State House that pits education funding against tax relief, played out in committee and on the House floor this week. You were on the House floor on Thursday, so uh, why don't you pick up the story from there, Clark? Yeah, big news from Thursday is the House uh, voted along party lines to pass the first major tax cut bill of the legislative session. This was sponsored by House Majority Leader Mike Moyle. Uh, And what it would do is to the tune of an estimated $51 million, it would reduce the top bracket of corporate and individual income taxes down from 7.4% down to 7.2%, it would also exempt the first $750 of income that all Idahoans uh, pay taxes on. And so uh, because of that, Representative Moyle and the Republicans who supported the bill argued that this is tax relief for everyone. Um, so the way this played out, as you might well expect uh, at this point, was Republicans supported it, Democrats opposed it, and uh, kind of the two uh, viewpoints came down to um, as the... The state of Idaho finds itself in a a good position, financially speaking, uh, looking at having a uh, surplus or perhaps a ending cash balance, depending on what terminology you like to use. Uh, So the state of Idaho's finances are in good shape. Members of the House uh, for several years now have been seeking to pass tax relief, to pass tax cuts. Uh, The Democrats who opposed this said uh, that they're concerned that now is not the right time to cut taxes and that with growing enrollment uh, at the K-12 education level and with a higher ed task force just getting geared up, uh, they're concerned that this would rob uh, crucial revenues that would have otherwise been available uh, to support education funding. But at the end of the day, it easily cleared uh, the House thanks to the Republican supermajority. This thing heads to the Senate next, but Kevin, senators have been... uh, reluctant to embrace tax cuts over the last two or three legislative sessions. Right. The past couple of years, we've seen this happen before where the House has passed tax cuts and they've gone to the Senate and have been basically done on arrival. They've either not gotten out of committee or they've just been rejected out of hand. So now the speculation turns to what may happen on the Senate side. Uh, you do have a new chair yeah. of the uh, of the tax committee, uh, Dan Johnson, who is a uh, Republican from Lewiston. Uh, so this will be his first test. We'll get a sense of kind of where he, uh, where his thinking is on tax legislation. The House, you know, it's a matter of record. We know kind of where they are, where House Republicans are. So this is a, you know, a fairly predictable process, both in committee earlier this week and then on the floor Thursday. Uh, next step is the Senate, and that's maybe a little bit uh, harder to handicap. Yeah, not the least bit surprising that this passed the House and, and passed the House easily. I did want to point out that Representative Moyle, in his debate in favor of this tax cut, uh, made the point, made the argument that, in his opinion, uh, the state of Idaho, Idaho legislature can do both, fully fund education and teacher pay raises and cut taxes to the tune of $51 million. We will see if that argument is persuasive in the Senate. Right. And we'll keep an eye on what's going on 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 the tax front, because this may not be the last tax bill we see come out of the chute and and get introduced on the House side. And we'll keep an eye on the education budget process uh, along those lines. Go to idahoednews.org and get some reaction from school superintendents about that school budget. 
uh, and get caught up on where they uh, where they stand on the budget and get caught up on the tax debate. Yeah, that, that's a good point. All, all that coverage uh, is there this week. If you want to see how your local superintendent uh, reacted, we, we've talked to a number of superintendents about the budget proposals. I want to shift gears, though. Kevin, we had some really good news uh, on the regarding the latest number of high school graduation uh, rates. There's a little bit, maybe, of a positive trend developing. Uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so the the graduation rate came out earlier this week, and for the second straight year, we've seen an improvement. Uh, where we stand now, uh, looking at the, the class of 2016, uh, 79% of these students who entered ninth grade three years earlier came out of uh, 12th grade in 2016 with a high school diploma. Uh, that's an increase. Uh, a year earlier, it was uh, 78.9%. And a couple of years ago, uh, 2014, it was 77.3%. So the the trend is moving upward. It's not moving upward quickly or uh, dramatically, but it is moving upward. What we don't know yet is um, where does this uh, put Idaho nationally? We've been below the national average for the past couple of years. We were 39th in the last round of rankings. Those national numbers don't tend to come out until later in the year. So we won't know for quite some time where this puts Idaho in in the national rankings, but uh, but as I say, it is a little bit of an improvement. Um, what it does not mean is uh, that the remaining twenty percent of of kids are dropouts per se. Some of them may have GEDs, some of them may uh, have uh, alternative diplomas, uh, and some really just kind of fall through the cracks. Some are really just lost in the the tracking process over four years. So. Again, 79.5% is the new number, and we will uh, follow it up here in the next few months and see where it puts Idaho nationally. Yeah, good report, Kevin. Again, that's at idahoednews.org if you want to find out a little bit about that number and get some of the particulars about how the graduation rate is calculated. And we saw some news in terms of higher education, in terms of kind of the the life after high school. This was uh, something that Governor Otter announced before the session, that he was putting together a task force to look at higher education. We now know who is on that task force. Uh, pretty long list. Yeah, this uh, on Wednesday, Governor Otter announced the 36 members uh, who are going to be on this higher education task force. By the way, that grew, I think, when the governor initially uh, promoted this task force to the press. Before he had actually named people, he said it was going to be a 28-member task force. So somewhere along the lines, uh, we picked up some eight members. So anyways, who's, who's on this thing and what are they going to be doing? This is modeled after the K-12 task force for improving education, which issued uh, recommendations. I believe it was the summer of 2013 or thereabouts. This would be uh, modeled under that format. We know that Linda Clark from the State Board of Education and Bob Locken will serve as the two co-chairs of this new higher education task force. They're going to have their first organizational meeting uh, next week in Boise where they will get acquainted and and kind of chart uh, their path forward. Uh, This may be uh, a one-year or longer um, job uh, that, that this group is going to be working on. So who's on the task force? Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra is on the task force. The other seven members of the State Board of Education mm-hmm. uh, are on this task force. The presidents of Idaho's colleges and universities are on the task force. There are six lawmakers on the task force. I believe that breaks down four Republicans and two yeah. Democrats. Yeah. There's also mm-hmm. two college students uh, who are going to be 
um, a part of this task force, a former legislator, Marilyn Whitney, the governor's deputy chief of staff overseeing education policy, um, some business leaders as well. We do have the full list, which we published on Wednesday at IdahoEdNews.org. Anything that jumped out at you, Kevin? Uh, I know we're just getting organized. The committee has not, the task force rather, has not met yet. But uh, anything jump out at you? I think it's kind of... Uh I don't want to say usual suspects, but it is kind of the list that you would have expected to see. Uh, the governor had said he wanted to get some student representation, so so he did that. Uh, you, you have, you know, kind of the stakeholder groups that you would expect to see at the table, uh, much like uh, the, the K-12 through task force of, of 2013. You know, the idea then was to try to get every, every possible group that has a, a stake in K-12, and the governor's made no secret. He wants to try to replicate that with the higher education task force. So, um, you know, the the fact that the committee grew <laughs> and the fact that it has this kind of uh, wide range of, uh, of interests, uh, probably not really surprising. No, we've a lot of those names are, are familiar uh, to many of us in education circles. Uh, a number of those people participated in the previous task force. Uh, so not not a lot of surprises in terms of who's there. As we get more reaction, there may be some surprises in terms of uh, who has been left out potentially. Uh, but we're just getting started on this thing, and they haven't even um, met yet. But the full list is available uh, at our website at Idaho Ed News. I wanted to shift gears again, Kevin. You've been starting to cover uh, this bond issue that the Boise School District is going to put forward to voters in the spring. You're taking a look at this, and you're taking a little bit of a look at the messaging and the politics surrounding this bond issue. What are you looking at, and what did you find out? Yeah, this was kind of interesting. Uh, this kind of came across, uh, well, it came in my mail, <laughs> literally, uh, earlier this week. Uh, the Boise School District sent out a mailer to almost 29,000 households in the district explaining, outlining the uh, the bond issue that's going to be on, on the ballot on March 14th. It, when you combine the postage, which the, they can do at a reduced rate because they're a nonprofit, and the cost of producing these mailers and producing extra mailers that they can hand out at community events and school events, it's about $11,000, $11,400 that the district spent on this uh, voter information. And, yeah, you know, so I asked the district. They are saying that this is similar to what they've done in uh, past bond issues and levies and that the law does allow, uh, you know, dispensing what they're calling factual information. And, and you know, it is sort of an outline of the uh, of the bond issue. There is a quote on the flyer from a parent who clearly is supporting, advocating for the passage of the bond issue. What's interesting here is this is kind of a gray area, and school districts have been criticized uh, on both sides of the uh, of this. Uh, in December, uh, Idaho Freedom Foundation, a group that uh, opposes a lot of things, or a conservative group, they tend to be uh, contrarian on a lot of topics, uh, took the Boise district to task because uh, proponents of the bond issue were allowed to make statements at uh, holiday uh, school assemblies. Um, on the other hand, a lot of school districts have been criticized in the past for running bond issues uh, that critics thought were stealth elections. You know, nobody knew about them. Um, they were held when the turnout was going to be really low, and uh, districts were accused of trying to slip bond issues or levies under the radar. So you now have this consolidated election system where schools can only run uh, bond issues and levies four times 
per year. March 14th being one of those dates uh, for 2017. So I kind of wanted to look at the messaging and kind of wanted to um, explain what people got in the mail, why they got it in the mail, uh, and, and sort of walk through the, uh, the legality of it. But this sets the stage. I mean, you know, March 14th is a big uh, school election date. Uh, in Boise, West Ada has got a large plant facilities levy. CUNA has a, a bond issue and a supplemental levy. So does Coeur d'Alene. Lewiston's running a bond. Supplemental's all over the state. It's a big election. Uh, we're going to be uh, on top of it, and we're going to be working with our, our neighbors here in our office, uh, Boise State Public Radio. We're going to collaborate on some coverage uh, leading up to the March 14th elections. And when you talk about the issues surrounding this mailer, I, I think what we're trying to point out here is the Boise School District, any school district, wants to be careful uh, to not use taxpayer dollars to advocate. Yeah, the advocacy. Right, right. exactly. And so they want to That's make sure that they're staying on the other side of that line an informational campaign, a, a factual sheet. campaign, mm -hmm. that's common. We see that a lot. That's routine. That provides a service to voters. But and they want to make sure that they don't cross a line into using taxpayer dollars to advocate uh, for a voter referendum or for another sort of policy uh, initiative, and, right? And it's similar to what you will see with uh, school districts uh, when they post on their websites. Yeah. And that's something I point out in, in the story. It's fairly commonplace right now for school districts if they're running a supplemental levy or a bond issue to to post fact sheets about yeah. the, the measure. That's I, not I use that a lot in my reporting. Yeah. I mean, this is the uh, a quick way to find out the, the nuts and bolts of what they say they're going to try to do with the money. So that's not uncommon. I mean, but yeah, the line and where this becomes a little bit stickier legally is does it cross over to become advocacy? And, you know, uh, the law has allowed you know these mailers in the past. The law certainly allows districts to post fact sheets on on websites. You know that whole issue of you know where does it become advocacy? That's kind of in the eye of the beholder. Sure, fair enough. The week started, uh, and we both got a flavor of this on Monday. Uh, opponents of Common Core, uh, there. <laughs> remember the debate over Common Core. Uh, it's back uh, for 2017. Uh, Critics of the standards uh, showed up at the state house. Uh, I spent some time watching a rally on the state house steps. You caught up with uh, a critic of the Common Core standards in House Education Committee. It was uh, sort of an interesting event. It was. There was uh, an out-of-state speaker from Wisconsin, uh, from the American, or, or excuse me, from the Freedom Project Academy. His name is Duke. Pesta. He is a college English professor, and he's been an academic for some 25 years. He addressed the House Education Committee first thing on Monday morning, bright and early, 8.30 a.m., and, and he was voicing concerns with the Common Core um, standards, and he said he was approaching uh, this from the perspective of uh, a college professor, but it was... I've been covering the legislature essentially every day for seven years, and I have not seen a professional speaker, not a professional, but someone other than a member of the public. A someone, practice, yeah, kind of stakeholder who come does this in a lot. And, and, and handle himself this way. He raised his voice and, and yelled and screamed loudly. 
at the House Education Committee about Common Core, and it wasn't like uh, he, there was a debate going on. It was a, a one-sided a presentation. presentation, and he was yelling and screaming. He ignored the basics of legislative decorum, which this kind of gets into inside baseball, but it's a very sensitive thing about around the state house. He was not recognizing. Well, I mean, they take it seriously. They kind of um, want the rules to be yeah. Yeah, adhered to. When he was getting questions, he was not recognizing uh, the committee chairwoman, Representative Julie Van Orden. She had to remind him at least twice uh, to address his questions through uh, the chair. And the way you do that is you say, Madam Chairwoman, members of the committee, uh, this, that, and the other is, is my point. And he did not do that. He was raising his voice. And after 30 minutes, uh, the chairwoman just cut him off and, and said, we've had enough. We need to move on with our agenda. Uh, thank you very much. And he immediately left the room and then shortly thereafter went to the uh, uh, the anti-Common Core rally outside on the State House, where you watched, and, and he a little bit better time, a lot better reception there. Um, it, it, yeah. You know, on you the had, State House steps. Yeah, right. You had about a hundred people uh, on the steps, and you know, as we know, as we've seen the past couple of weeks, counting crowds is is a, a dicey proposition. My thumbnail was about a hundred people. Uh, interesting, you had uh, several legislators who are on hand, uh, legislators who have voiced skepticism about Common Core in the past. Ron Nate, uh, Stephen Thane was there for, for a moment, uh, Dorothy Moon, uh, a new legislator from Stanley, uh, Sage Dixon. So, so a few legislators who, are, who have, to varying degrees, raised sure. questions about uh, Common Core. Russ Fulcher, who ran for governor in 2014, is running again in 2018, has spoken against Common Core as a gubernatorial candidate, uh, although he he was on the committee that supported it way back in 2011. Uh, Fulcher spoke. Uh, Jeff Thomas, uh, the superintendent in Madison, who was a longtime opponent of Common Core, he was there to speak. Interesting, too, uh, Chuck Zimmerly from Sherry Barr's yeah. staff attended. Uh, he didn't speak. He was there basically to answer questions and to discuss kind of the, the department's own uh, review process that they conducted on the Common Core standards. At the end of the day, I don't know how this uh, moves the needle in terms of a debate over Common Core standards at the State House. Uh, there's never been a whole lot of momentum towards a full-on repeal at the State House. I know Common Core opponents have kind of tried to take some momentum from the fact that uh, President Trump opposes the standards, uh, but this is still a state decision. Sure, and uh, Idaho's. Uh, key players on education issues have really not shown any appetite for uh, revisiting these standards. I don't know if that changes this year. And, and the legislature did not take any action Monday. It was more of an informal presentation, informational presentation, and certainly a rally on the State House. And the Speaker, he didn't do anything illegal. He wasn't gaveled down. He wasn't uh, specifically kicked out of the meeting. It was just uh, it, it started it's more of a protocol. Yeah, sure. uh, right. not recognizing protocol, uh, raising his voice perhaps unnecessarily. It just struck me as odd, and it definitely struck me is uh, something you don't see. That's that's not how uh, that's not how business is conducted generally at the legislature. Right. So we will. Uh, <laughs> That, that's this week, and next week uh, it continues. Uh, we will have more uh, news coming out of the State House. Uh, legislation is starting to kind of churn. We'll keep one eye on what happens on the tax front, but uh, we're starting to see some more activity in the education committees, including possibly 
discussion of those uh, science standards that may could come, come up. up. There was a signal that uh, next Friday, which I believe would be the 10th, uh, could be reserved for a hearing on proposed new academic standards, which could include proposed new science standards. We will be there and we will give you more information about that hearing once an official schedule uh, is put out, if that happens. And Kevin, I wanted to ask you, you're going to continue to follow uh, the nomination and confirmation of Betsy DeVos, who is President Trump's uh, nominee put forward to head up the education department. Looks like a divided Senate uh, at this point. What yeah, do you know? at last count, and we're we're taping this on Thursday afternoon, so a lot of things can change. Uh, where it stands as at this point is fifty to fifty. You've got the uh, the forty eight Senate Democrats all opposed to this uh, this nomination, and two Republicans. Um, also uh, joining them. So here's your civics. If it's a 50-50 division in the Senate, the tie-breaking vote goes to Vice President Mike Pence. So at this point, again, Thursday afternoon, uh, as we wait for this thing to uh, play itself out, it looks like uh, Betsy DeVos will be confirmed by the narrowest of margins. Some of the uh, the coverage that I've been reading suggests that it has never come down to this. It has never come down to a vice president breaking a tie vote like this on a confirmation. So I think it's some, some new ground. I mean, a it, lot's changed in the past 48 it, hours. A lot has changed. It looks like at this point that some of those uh, swing Republican senators who had been watched are saying uh, that they are going to uh, vote to confirm her. So the idea of Will any other Republicans uh, jump ship and, right. and oppose the nomination? At this point, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but a lot can change, and uh, we will keep one eye on that as well. That also, that tie also assumes that all 100 senators are present uh, when the vote is called. Right. Just and, throwing that out there. Not, you know, conveniently uh, not being there, as we've seen in other times and other and uh, other legislative bodies. It's Not that that will happen. happen. It's been known to happen. I would be a bit surprised if it happened on something this high profile. But we'll watch and we'll all see right. what happens. I think that gets us caught up on all this week's headlines. As always, thank you so much for listening. You can follow at Idaho Ed News on Twitter to catch links to all of our stories throughout the week. Thank you so much for listening. I am Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.